We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. Welcome to the Veiled Podcast, in bed with Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone. New name, same people, more stuff. What? What are you looking like that for? No, the volume Phil? just went straight up. Yeah, I know, soz. Yes. I was a little I'm bit awake. Lax. I'm awake. How are you, Phil Lamartina? I'm going fantastic. How are you, Sarah Lamartina? Good, thanks, Jade. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. In our thanks. new space at Network House. Yeah, it's very nice here. I like it. You guys hadn't ever been here. No. Ah, it was good to get a bit of a history lesson. Yeah. Mm. Carolyn's full of... I've been sitting out there for the last half hour talking to Carolyn about all sorts of things. She's a wealth of knowledge, mm. that no, lady. Nice, yeah. It is. Now, got to talk about topical things... And I'm sure you've got a headache about talking about football, but... That's my job. It is your job. I have a headache. <laughs> do you? From hearing from about hearing it? From hearing about football. <laughs> How do you cope? Oh, you just get used to it. You just got to listen. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. <laughs> just nod every now and then. It's pretty, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then when he asks his next question and you're like, oh, oh. Um, yeah. Yep, and you just, yep, yep, you just yes everything. That's the, the biggest struggle that she finds, which is that um, she hears the same thing, like because mm. I'm having a conversation with obviously different people all the time and I'm explaining the same story to them, mm. you know, what's going on, what's happened and all this sort of stuff and to get their feedback, of course. And, um, yeah, she must hear it like a thousand times. <laughs> But that's I think that's what partners do, really. You're yeah. the you're the sounding board. Aren't Pretty you? much. I think so. Yeah. Not bounce ideas off. That's right. Yeah. Or and just vent to, to Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. quite a lot. And that's when you tune out and yeah. do other things. Luke does the same thing to yeah. me. And just still nod. Mm-hmm. Still nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And guess what? When I just nod after someone else might be just talking, <laughs> I get in trouble. Hey, isn't that funny? Look how you girls work. Well, that's that's isn't it? Yeah, that's so, women, I suppose. Oh, How, yeah, 100%. Are you happy that homeschooling's done? Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Excited. I don't know what else to explain. I should know all the adjectives by now. I know yeah, every describing word you could find. Mm, so, mm, mm, it was mm. interesting. No, it was good. It, look, stop, it was hard. You should stop drinking before lunchtime. <laughs> now. Now. I don't blame you. Oh, it was it was hard. But yeah. then as I sort of said, everyone was in the same boat. Mm. Like it wasn't just me. Mm. It wasn't just me at home with my kids. Every parent was home with their kids. So that made it easier in that way. Mm. But it was hard. And we had our days, but we got there. Look, we all have our days, don't we? Apparently I was a very mean teacher, according to my daughter. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you know what? They might be grateful to get back to school. Oh, they were. They were very happy. Yes, so. and have a newfound appreciation yes. for their teachers. And I've got a lot of respect for teachers. Always had, but now mm. definitely mm. Yeah, you do. Mm. They earn oh. their money. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Right. Let's talk footy, Phil. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier in the week, ABC put out on Facebook, and I don't make a habit of getting my news source from Facebook, but... When people are sending it to you saying that Robin Vale Football Netball Club have pulled out of twenty season 2020, regardless of whether it goes ahead or not, uh, my first thought was, well, maybe this will swing the board when they make their decision on Tuesday. It didn't. Nah, it's – what I'm upset about is the process because mm. what happened was – let's wind it back. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the return to play, Right different things, um, the protocols. Um, obviously, the the restrictions keep continued to evolve mm. and they see it changes every day, but it, it really didn't because if you read between the lines on all the stuff that's been going on, it's been pretty consistent. So what happened was leading up to it, we knew that uh, we had uh, two meetings and at the last uh, president's meeting via Zoom, obviously, um, we said that we we're going to wait till June the sixteenth. Wait. Mm-hmm. So, what happened was in that time, which was going to be about a, well, it was about a three weeks. Of, yeah, about about two to three weeks from the last meeting. In that time, 
I got together with the um, with our committee finally because restrictions had eased a little bit. So we got together and I laid it all out on the table. And basically the committee had decided that it's a bit of a no-brainer mm. that we would like to send a letter to the league that was meant to be tabled on the Tuesday night meeting to say that our intentions really, what we can see as a football club, taking in all into account the health issue, like health aspects, financial aspects, volunteers, players, everything that's going on in our community, being such a small town, mm. that the risk to the reward was too great. So we sent that early to the executive officer, not to the president, not to – so our secretary, Marion, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. to their secretary, to the league. Right. Private. Right. Confidential mm-hmm. email with a letter. Right. And was this last week? Last week. Right. I get a phone call Friday afternoon mm. from a guy. I can't even remember his name because but once he started talking, I was – I practically – I get enraged. Really. I was going to say you saw red. Yeah. So – this poor bastard <laughs> rang me and said, uh, I'm from uh, ABC Horsham. I said, oh, thinking to myself, maybe he – because we get sometimes some um, questions about the Conniver Farm because yep. that's in the district. Yep. I'm thinking, oh, trucks or transport or, you know, the big quads, something along them lines, mm. the carrots, you know, mm. the farm and this and that. He goes, because um, obviously that wouldn't be on my radar about footy. no. He goes, um, I, I just um, would like to ask you a few questions around your the Romvar Football Club's um, stance on um, pulling out of the 2020 season. I said, well, I said, um, I said, oh, hang on a second. Um, where did you get that information? And he said he he wouldn't um, he wouldn't say. Mm. Obviously, he said, I'm just wondering, is it true? I said, hang on a second, I'm going to tell you something. At the moment, right at the minute, I'm a little bit peed off because that's confidential between our club and the league. So I'm not really happy about what's going on here, so I'm just trying to process all the whole thing. So then he asked me again, is it true? I said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to tell you no comment and basically beep, beep, off and hung up. Were you privy to this conversation, Sarah? No, no, I wasn't. Probably a good thing. Yeah. So because at that point in time, the league had just lost all my trust Mm. because we hadn't, as a committee, we had decided to write the letter. We gave them uh, the league enough respect to table it at the Tuesday night meeting. We hadn't informed our players, hadn't informed our um, our spectators, um, all our supporters, sorry, all our sponsors, all that sort of thing. Mm. How does that going to look on us, information getting leaked out like that? When we never had any intention. We had it always to address our, our the club mm. and the people mm. after Tuesday night because whatever decision the league made, then we can counteract it with a announcement that what we would like to do, okay, and let – Everyone else, no. So I then, as soon as I hung up the phone, I'm thinking, hmm, how am I going to find out who leaked this information? I said, you know what, I'm just going to ring the president, Paul Matheson, and at the end of the day, I'm just going to ask him, can he find out who the bloody hell leaked this information? Because I would imagine the letter got circulated amongst... The executive, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway... I rang him up, hey, Paul, this and that. He reckons, oh, I asked him, you know, he said I was me. I said, what? He said, yeah, I just got off the phone with the guy. I said, Paul, look, dude, seriously, um, you're a good bloke and everything, but what you did is wrong. I'm telling you now, it's wrong. doesn't matter which way you look at it. This is wrong. Oh, but isn't that your position? I said, Paul, 
if it's our position or not, is regardless of the issue. I said that email or that letter was written from our secretary to your secretary, nobody else, mm. that to be tabled on Tuesday night. Oh, I just thought it was um, – but I said, but Paul, how can you put this out in the public domain leading up to a, a night, a meeting that's happening on Tuesday and not – and be partial? Mm. Anyway, I said, look, I'm just going to leave it at that because at the end of the day I think if I keep talking, I'm probably going to say something that I shouldn't have. Mm. And I said, I'm very disappointed and um, we'll leave it at that. Anyway, hang up the phone. And I was stewing on it all over the weekend and I said, no, I've got to ring the um, executive officer. And I said, listen, I'm not going to – Peter Walker, I said, Pete, look, I'm not going to get into it. I don't, I don't want to write an email. I don't want to get on this high horse about this and that, but I just need to ask you a question. I said, dude, like, is this wrong what happened there? He goes, yeah, he, yeah, Paul. I said, oh, okay. I just wanted to know because I'm just thinking it's wrong. Mm. It's 100%. Anyway, so I had to wear that one, being a little bit, because we don't, we don't operate like that. Mm. And um, I'm not silly enough to know, to you know, to do that to all the netballers or to the footballers, uh, to you know, to, to everybody. Mm. It's just that's silly. So that's what's happened. Then I'm thinking, I've got a funny feeling these nincompoops are going to say that uh, we're going to play footy because for whatever reason, something's going on because um, Don Harley from AFL Victoria is really pushing to play football. Now, mm. representing AFL, right, I think what he's trying to do is um, everyone else is dropping like flies around him. Mm. And I think there's this, this shining beacon of Sunraja that's fairly isolated that they think that they can get away with some sort of competition to say, oh, we told you so or something like that mm. without really looking at the the true ramifications and which way we looked at it was first and foremost the health issues, all right? As of um, last night, another 21 cases mm-hmm. in Victoria. Now, we don't want to be responsible to shut the town of Romvale down and mm-hmm. it's as simple as this and it's very contagious. I'm no expert, I'm no health expert, don't get me wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's as simple as this. We play footy. Someone outside of Mildura comes into Mildura. Then they come to down to Robinvale. They don't go to the gate. And let's personalise this a little bit. Tony Natale, mm. he's on the gate. Mm-hmm. He hasn't seen someone for a long time. Here you go and shake hands. There's 10 bucks. Thanks for coming. He doesn't. He forgets that he needs to sanitise his hands for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. He puts the money away. He sees... Nunu Garefa comes in. He hasn't seen him for 12 or 13, 14 weeks because everyone's in ISO. Mm-hmm. Respectfully, he shakes his hand. He's passed it on to him. Mm-hmm. Next minute, bang. Yep. Shut Romvale down. Kids, no school, no this, homeschooling. Decimates the whole township of the main street. I'm saying these are the worst case scenarios, but mm. possible. Mm. We're not willing to take that risk. Mm. I'm sorry. For what? Mm. For, you know a bit of leather with a bit of air pumped into it, mm. not for eight weeks no. and a bit of finals. It's not worth it. If they come out about a month ago and actually had a plan, mm. and that's the other thing too, we're looking – everyone's looking at the league for leadership, but they keep tripping over because mm. what happens is they make an announcement and then straight away say all the presidents turn up on Thursday night because we've got a meeting tomorrow night to state our, our intentions. Yeah. But the, the 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 clubs are looking at the league for for direction. They mismanage it mm. because no one's they're all too scared to make a decision, and then put it back onto the clubs and then criticise the clubs. I'm telling you now, one hundred percent, Robinvale will get blamed for us not to play football this year mm. if someone else supports us tomorrow night. Redcliffe's, Mildura, 
South Mildura, one of the other clubs, mm. if I think two, don't quote me on this, but I'm hearing if two clubs pull out of a competition, it's all over, mm. apparently. Mm. I'll tell you now, they'll twist and turn it, twist and turn it that it's Rumvale's fault. Mm. Over a letter that shouldn't have been leaked in the first place. But also, too, about not playing football. Yeah. We can't. You know what? Our, I've come to the conclusion that I've discussed it with our stakeholders, mm-hmm. everybody, mm-hmm. and overwhelmingly as a percentage, they're saying no play. Yep. Okay? We accept that and that's what we're going to bring forward. Mm-hmm. If the eight other clubs want to play, you know what? Good luck. God bless. Thank you very much. We're not interested. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And we're, we're happy to sit on the fence. Mm. Do you think there will be players from Robinvale that will go to other clubs for the eight weeks? No. No. And you know what? If they do, it's okay. Mm. I'm okay with that. Mm. I'm not too sure why everyone thinks it's a massive problem. If someone feels so strongly that they really need to play football Mm. and they can get that fix somewhere else, would I be disappointed um, that if they didn't come back? 100%. One hundred percent. But mm. would I be disappointed that they made that decision? Not really. Mm. I, I'm. I can't. I can't um, hold any. But what I've heard so far is um, I haven't seen that's going to happen. No. I spoke to a couple this morning. Trav Bustle included. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that he he wouldn't. No. no. There's just and and the other thing is too, which I'm not too sure what what the agenda is mm. with. Um, AFL Victoria, but there's an email that just got put out um, today from AFL Victoria saying that, you know, this is going to be the greatest thing and, you know, we should showcase um, Sunraysia to be playing football. And then right at the end, which troubled me a little bit in part of this, and this is why I'm saying there's different agendas, and the opportunity to bring in other players that other leagues have not, that have, um, that have, not uh, not playing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, hang on a second, we're meant to be showcasing Sunraysia, all the locals, mm. because clubs like Oyen that bring in players, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. So what are they going to do then start bringing in? Look, it's N- – Not it's to a- mention the health risks that are right. associated with that. And, and that adds more to, in my mind, from the outset, it seemed to me that if – any country club, country clubs depend on their crowds and their supporters for the gate takings, for the canteen, for the bar. That's where the money's made during the season. If we can't have, you know, gates are where we're taking, I don't know, five, ten grand or whatever for a big crowd plus the canteen plus the bar, it's financially not viable. Correct. And we can't have those crowds because the crowd restrictions still haven't been lifted, have they? No, well, they say... it's just what the problem is is they say this and they say that and then they interpret this, interpret that. Our take on it, on anything is to, to move forward. All restrictions must be off. Mm. So you don't have to think about it. Mm. We just do mm. like we normally would do. Yep. Just do it. Mm. And um, that's where we can't we, – like I said, we had a committee meeting. There have been a fair amount of stuff that's been going on obviously in the last eight to ten weeks before – leading up to our committee meeting mm. and laid it all out. And basically the committee just said it's a no-brainer. Mm. The decision is no play. Yep. And not to mention also too, I reckon, look, I'm no, like I said, no expert, but I think um, the injury, injuries mm. that would be sustained mm-hmm. by, su- by getting all the players back in such short notice yep. and start leaning on them and then realistically – and these are the dates that have been touted for July the twenty some twenty second or thirties um, first game. Mm-hmm. Full contact for seniors is the week before, so they got one week of contact training before they can before they will be they were uh, they asked to play mm. again. Please, we start preseason in November to play in April. Yep. And you're telling me that we're gonna they're gonna get a pre-season in one week mm. of contact? Mm. Please. It's a waste of time. They're wasting people's time. Mm. Not to mention money, because it costs a lot of money to it play footy. Cost- when you think of the insurance or the gear, like for individuals, but for clubs and insurances and things like that, 
it's an expensive business. It is. And and the other thing, like like I said, the things that just keep tallying up. Now, how am I meant to go to tell the kids when mm. we're talking about like 10, 11, 12-year-olds, 13, that are growing, mm. and you know what children are like going when they go to school every year they need new school shoes. Mm. Well, they're going to, what, you're going to buy a pair of footy boots for eight for games? For eight weeks, yeah. And then next year they've they've got a growth spurt over the summer and then bang, they're no good anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't ask that. What am I going to ask for? Half the money on the regos? I reckon half the money is still too much. Mm. <sighs> Tough decision, but I'm very confident in what decision we've come with mm. and we've made together. In these circumstances, I believe you need leadership. Mm. And what leadership I mean is um, look at the facts and uh, make a decision and then stick to that decision. Yep. The undecided views of pretty much the league, moving the goalposts, pardon the pun, around mm. is ridiculous. Mm. And that's where there's a lack of leadership. Mm. It's as simple as that. And you know what? Like I said, we have the opportunity to play football next year. So I don't understand. It's June. Mm. We won't play till July. I just can't see the logic Mm. when there's a lot of other things going on. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think people will just get back into the routine of um, once the restrictions are lifted, hopefully if they don't stuff it all up, play cricket. Mm. Move into the preseason. Go back. Just mm. enjoy everything again. Yeah, that's right. I don't understand. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether there is a second wave because the numbers have started to creep up and up and up on a daily basis again. And I was hoping there wouldn't be a second wave, but all of the experts have said, "Oh, there probably will be." So then to announce that that against you're going to go against the grain, against the grain, after, that we're going to play after the third uh, school got shut down in Melbourne. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's – look, it's it's bad what's happened, mm. right, but it's happened. Mm. So you can't deny that fact just because if you just ignore it. Mm. So I don't understand the logic. They've, yeah, I thought I thought they had a few more brains, but obviously there's some outside influences that are um, putting pressure on, um, on them. I don't, know, mm. I don't know where it's coming from or why. But um, oh, we won't we won't be a part of that. No, and I think that's a good decision. I really do, and I support you and the committee in making that decision. And sometimes in positions of leadership, you do have to make tough decisions and hard calls, and just stick with them because that's leadership. So I think I think you've made the right decision. It'll be interesting to see what happens after tomorrow night's yeah, meeting. And, and it's just like anything, I never, I don't want to be the. I don't want to be in this position. Mm. I don't want to be the – not big note myself that I made a decision at the at the football club because I'm the president mm. and you're not, you know what I mean? I would rather be playing football mm. without a doubt. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't want the coronavirus, mm. but unfortunately it landed on our doorstep mm. and we have to deal with it. Mm. Um, you know, people talk about unprecedented circumstances. Well, one thing about being a farmer is you – you're up against unprecedented circumstances every day, every day of your life. So it doesn't worry us. But um, I think, not I think, I know that we've made the right choice. Mm. So, I think you have to, and we just we'll just run with that. Yeah, and I think I think members, supporters, and players will support the club in the decision. Well, I'll be honest. I very rare, I haven't had we haven't had any negative feedback from that. Questions. Mm. Specific questions, answered the question honestly. Yep. Um, said, made the right call. Yep. So, yeah, definitely tough call, but I, th- I know it's the right one. Yep. Well done. Thank you. Well done for putting up with it, Sarah. Thanks, Jade. Well, it's not over yet. I've got to wait till tomorrow night and then hear it all again. And. <laughs> But that's okay. Yeah, that's you can hear okay. it all again with a glass of wine. Yeah, or a bottle <laughs> or two <laughs> or three. Well, we'll catch up with you again soon for mm. more updates, but I think it was important because and now that we know the reasons around why 
we saw it first on ABC um, rather than from the club and, and all these kinds of things. That was kind of, I think that's important to clear that up. Communication, as far as I can see, is paramount. So um, so thanks for clearing that up, Phil. Yeah, and I just, I needed to, I was, when you text to say that, you know, to come on, I, th- I thought it was a great thing because, like I said, um, the, the story needed to be told yep. because everyone needed to understand this and that's not how we roll. Mm. And, um, and it's not professional mm. and we don't, like I said, we don't operate like that. Um, everything that we've done so far has been tried to be up the utmost professionalism mm. and give everybody the opportunity to, you know, not jump down anyone's throat or anything like that, just a bit of time because mm. that's been on our side a little bit mm. and just a bit of wait and see. Um, like I said, it was for their eyes only. Mm. Um, and as I explained to Paul at the time, I said, but Paul, are you, are you telling me that every single email that comes backwards and forwards from club to club or club to league or league to club can be broadcast all over the countryside mm. on any media outlet? Mm. Oh, no. Well, no different here, mate. Did I'm it have sorry. confidential written on the email? No, but I wouldn't imagine you have to write confidential to write to the executive. No, especially if it about was... About footy matters. Yeah, especially if it was to be tabled for a meeting, mm. you would imagine that that would end up on the agenda. Yeah. Well, that was the agenda. Mm. That's due process, isn't, isn't it? it? In good governance. I'm assuming that. Mm. But anyway. One should never assume. But well, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Sarah, for coming in. Thanks, Jay. It's great to get that cleared up and um, we'll put this little interview on the Facebook page for everyone to hear. Yeah, that'd be great. Just your uh, just your your take on the situation. I'm sure everyone appreciates it, so thanks. Not a problem. We'll see you in season 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, I hope. We have a little confession to make. We've snuck into bed with someone different. They've had a bit of a makeover, changed their name, and they've got so much more on offer now. How on earth could we resist? Get your mind out of the gutter. We've jumped into bed with Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone to bring you the Vale podcast each week. Same people, now they just have more stuff like beds, couches, and all sorts of beautiful furniture for your home and appliances and toys for the kids and the bigger kids. Oh, and they're also the Bendigo Bank and Telstra dealer, as you'd know. So honestly, with so much going on and a handsome new look, why wouldn't we jump into bed together? They're still open and trading too, with social distancing and infection control measures in place so you can get what you need coming into winter. Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone have jumped into bed with us, so you should do the same and support small local businesses like them. It's time for a good news story now and we're full of good news on the Vale podcast but this is a great one albeit probably a little bit too late for our local table grape growers but we have got Anne Webster on the phone who's in Canberra. How are you Anne? I'm good thanks Jade. Busy times here. Yeah I bet you're running from one place to the other and wearing uh, tracks in the carpet to ministers offices no doubt. Yes, well, that is the truth. And if I'm not running the tracks, then I'm definitely calling and texting and asking questions that need to be answered. So, yeah, no, look, it's busy. And, um, but we do have some great news, finally, mm. finally, I say, uh, from Minister Little Proud, Minister Birmingham, um, regarding the Indonesian imports. And I can give you the details on it. I know it's too late for Red Globe and for Seedless Crimson. Um, it will work really well for the for the citrus market, which is fabulous, um, and it's for this year. So, unfortunately, we go through the same thing next year. But uh, working on the free trade agreement, of course, mm. and um, yeah. Anyway, those the details for them are that the grape imports have been granted one hundred and twenty two thousand two hundred and twenty eight tons which is more than five times the record quantity exported in 2019, which was 23,000 tonnes. Wow. Uh, lemons are 26,430 tonnes, which is 15 times the 2019 export of 1,665 tonnes. Mandarins, uh, if you're growing those, also looking good, 31,014 tonnes, which is seven times the 2019 export of 4,309 tonnes. And finally, oranges. Um, 24,785 tonnes, which is seven times the 2019 exports of 3,321. So it is really fantastic news. It's just that timing seriously could be better. Yeah, it could have, it could have come six months earlier, but... Um, oh, 
And look, honestly, it has not been for not trying. I think, as mm. your producers know, we've been on this and I've had many exasperated and distressing conversations uh, with the ministers. Um, on behalf of the industry because I know it matters that much. Mm. Yeah, it really does. And and Donnie, he's unable to be here today because he's out pruning his vines, but um, he did say to pass on his thanks um, and I think he knows how hard you've worked on this and just that the timing's a little bit off. But as far as these – so these permits are an annual thing. What's the likelihood that we're going to have the same issues next year? Look, I can't answer that. Thank you, Donnie, for um, thanks. I really appreciate that. Um, the the situation next year will have a variant because of the FDA, of course, and uh, I know that Minister Birmingham is working very hard to ensure that we have the best trade uh, conditions. We, you know, from our point of view in Australia, we have the rules, we have the parameters, we have the protocols, and the bureaucratic processes inevitably that we need to go through. But of course, once you're talking about Indonesia, I don't need to tell your um, producers down mm. there mm. that uh, it's a whole new ball game. And so it is working out what that ball game is um, each year, each season, and um, trying to get in the groove and make it happen for Australia and Australia's interests. So that's where we're, um, that's what I'm interested in. How, mm. do, how do we ensure that we're setting ourselves up for success? next year. Mm. Those numbers though for citrus and even for, for table grapes, albeit too late, but the, the numbers, the 15 times, like the tonnage that they're taking is amazing. Yeah, yeah it is incredible. So it's um, it's really good news for our citrus growers. Um, it's kind of good news. Um, unfortunately, it does finish at the end of the year. So again, as I say, we've got to go through it again. So for those who haven't ex- exported already um, and who and now left with a large volume of their um, produce unable to be sent. Yeah, um, what can I say? Mm. It's just one of those things, and I have no doubt that the Indonesian government moved the goalposts depending on which way the wind's blowing and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's only so much we can do at this end, isn't there? Yeah, well, that's right. And, uh, look, I'll keep fighting and hopefully we'll uh, fight earlier Mm. If if that's going to make a difference, that's what we will do. Is fight earlier to ensure the um, imports are on track to be taken by Indonesia in a timely manner. Mm. Yeah, I suppose that's that's the key too. But again, it's knowing how the Indonesian government's going to work. But um, the growers did want to pass on their their sincere thanks for your hard work on this, and um, hopefully it will Thank make a, a big difference um, when it comes to next harvest. So yeah, yeah. indeed, mm. indeed. The other thing we needed to chat to you about briefly is the one point two million dollars of federal money that's going to help uh, facilitate some upgrades to the Swan Hill Regional Aerodrome. Yeah, which is fantastic. It Absolutely is. Absolutely wonderful. So, look, I've been um, speaking with DTM, obviously, on a regular basis about airports uh, and particularly funding for the infrastructure for the airports. Um, I'm also talking with him about operational funding because the state has not stepped up. Um, there is a reluctance, I've got to say, from a federal level to be constantly propping up the state government. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's, if that's what we need to do, I'm interested in the regional airports doing well because our regional airports uh, really, you know, if you're talking Nigeria, it is a hub for the northwest mm. and incredibly essential. And in terms of Swan Hill, what this $1.2 million will allow is the larger aircraft um, and emergency services. So... Um, it's very important funding and will increase the safety um, for use of the Swan Hill um, people locally. Yeah, and I had no idea. I was talking to Councillor McPhee about this last week when we were talking about uh, the potential of AAA setting up the flying school and all talks with that have been suspended. So this $1.2 million has got nothing to do with that. Um, but no. I, I wasn't aware that... The police, when they're flying up to Swan Hill to do surveillance or any sort of emergency services, they can't actually land at the Swan Hill Aerodrome. They have to go and land at Mullamine. Yeah, look, it's um, CASA has very tight regulations around um, safety, thankfully. We're all happy about that. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, it's really important that uh, the Swan Hill Aerodrome is picked up 
to be safer for uh, our, you know, whoever's flying in, often it is emergency services and uh, the like. So it is very, very important. And look, I'll pick up on your point about the flight school. This funding obviously has nothing to do with it. I think people get confused about what level of government has to do with what. Mm. And the federal government has nothing to do with contracts that are made between the council, who is the primary shareholder, um, if not the actual owner of the business of the airport, which is um, certainly the case in Mildura, for example, the Mildura Airport has one shareholder and that is the council. Mm. And so the contracts that they make with um, independent bodies such as the flight schools is for them to make and provided they fit within CASA regulations and follow all, you know, dot all their I's and cross their T's, that is entirely their right mm. to uh, operate businesses out of the airport. And as um, the federal government representative, we get to do things such as infrastructure, for example, the instrument learning system in Mildura, which was a two, $2 million spend to Mildura. And of course, this um, this investment in the Swan Hill Airport of $1.223 million, which is um, very exciting. Mm, it's so exciting. And I did have a chat to Bill Moore and I have been talking about the uh, the long-term dream of air freight being able to be run in and out of this part of the country. And when we saw this oh, yeah. funding, it was over the weekend and we kind of went, well, we'd probably need another 20 of those to run air freight carriers in and out of the Swan Hill Aerodrome. But, hey, it's a start, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is a start, and um, I have the same uh, hope that we will be able to uh, operate air freight. And uh, in fact, I've started having those conversations with um, Mildura. Um, it requires a tremendous investment of funding mm. uh, to see that happen. But look, honestly, if we don't have the conversation, if we don't start the conversation and um, speak to the right people, then it's not going to happen. So that's my job, and I'm more than happy to do that. That's it. And that's where all of this funding and big pie in the sky dreams come to fruition. It just it always starts with just an off-the-cuff conversation, doesn't it? Look, it does. And uh, I heard one of my colleagues say today, and I thought, no, it's a very good point, uh, that some that particularly left-inclined uh, people uh, think that government should do everything. Mm. And uh, people from the right um, or I'd like to think of them as generally conservative, uh, know that it is industry, it is private industry that um, instigates great ideas and the government's role is to ensure that they are not hindered and that they are supported in whatever way is possible. Now, it doesn't mean that the government doesn't come up with some great ideas from time to time, but primarily we are looking at Industry. This is why RDCAs and RDVs and councils and local businesses and industries, you know, we want to hear what's going on in the ground. I'm constantly reaching out to all of those people and more to find out where are we at, what can we um, invest in, what can be promoted at a federal level, what needs to have advocacy at a state level or at a local level in order for these dreams to become reality, in order for our prosperity to come. Uh, to our regions in a greater measure. That's what I'm on about. Mm. And being able to export straight out of Mildura with, you know, your exports, whether it be fresh produce, whether it be the manufacturing yeah. industry, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. would be a massive game changer, massive game changer to this region. Yes, no, it absolutely would. And look, in the preliminary discussions that I've had, uh, one of the things that we need to be thinking about is, What's the um, the alternate flight in bringing? Mm. So it's great to export out, mm. uh, and we want to do that. But what kind of manufacturing industry, for example, or what kind of defence, or what kind of industry could do with uh, the the freight flight into Mildura mm. to ensure that um, this is a viable um, proposition going forward? So. Um, I'm more than happy to hear from anybody about what that might be. And, uh, yeah, it certainly has me thinking. Mm, might end up being contacted by some of the uh, almond corporates perhaps because I know that they're bringing in – they have to bring in all of their machinery from the United States. So, yes, they do. Yeah. They do. So imagine so, that. Uh, yeah, that's right. And this is where big industry, 
smaller industry um, and our enterprises all work together to ensure that we can move forward together. Mm. Yeah, it's um, one of those pie-in-the-sky dreams, but this might be where that starts to come true. So, um, yeah. uh, Dr Webster, thank you very much for giving us some time between meetings and running between offices and uh, your very busy time in Canberra at the moment. How is the feeling up there as far as the, the COVID and the easing of restrictions and all of that feeling, has it? Oh, look, there's, it, there's a tremendous amount of frustration at a federal level that we just want the borders open. Yep. It's time mm-hmm. um, to have the borders open. We are now at a position where we have developed um, the health capacity to manage um, COVID outbreaks and so we across the country. And so now it's time for us to learn how to live with it until we get a vaccine. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who's immunosuppressed, so I understand the risks. Uh, however, we've got to learn to manage those risks and we've got to be able to move forward um, so that our country can get back on its feet economically it is just vital. So we need the states to stop this lockdown mentality, which is not going to benefit anybody. Mm. And it's good to see uh, South Australia due to open up next month. So, again, that's a start, I guess. Oh, look, it is. It is. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. I'll let you get to your next meeting. Dr Webster, thank you very much. We will catch up with you again soon. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Jade. Thank you. It's now time to talk finance and tax, two of my least favourite subjects. <laughs> How are you, Noel? I'm going well, Jay. Oh, that's good. Uh, I suppose you're very, very busy this time of the year. Yes, definitely. We are catching up with, with clients and just spreading the information and with changes announced this week as well. So it just appears it's on a daily basis that we need to keep everyone updated on mm. the changes. And the main one this week was relating to the instant asset write-off to be extended to 31 December. So what does that actually mean for businesses now? So we ha- I had some cases with clients and businesses that they simply couldn't get supply of the machinery, equipment, right. prior to June 30. Mm. And I feel, and what happened was there's some accounting groups that lobbied to the government to say, well, look, it's, it's great that you've announced this initiative, mm. but practically it's difficult to roll out yes. because of the, the limited supply of machinery and items that are available to write off. So, ben, I know Ben at Piney Ford had exactly that. He was yep. down to, I think, two cars yeah, in right. stock because yep. he just couldn't get them. So I know this is a welcome relief to, the, to him and his customers. So does that mean now that we can get that instant asset write off in this financial year or is it next? How does that all work? Yeah, so we can, it spreads out over two years. So, oh. so what we can do, we can get the deduction... This year, if you have receipt of the of the goods or machinery and it's available for, for use prior to June 30, if, if you cannot accept delivery of the item till after 1 July, you're still entitled to that instant asset write-off for next tax year as well. So that urgency and panic has been relieved yep. because of that extended deadline. So oh. it's, it's, you've got the before June 30 and after June 30. Right. What happens then if you've bought an asset... And you may not have taken delivery because suppliers simply can't get it to you, but you've made the first payment before June 30. Yep. So the, the first, the, it's not. It, it's based on when you've accepted delivery and it's available for use. Right. Yep. Okay. So when you've made that payment, isn't the isn't the isn't the main criteria? It, it is in terms of when you've actually received the goods and it's available for use. Right. Okay. How would the ATO know that? Well, if it's a motor vehicle, mm-hmm. they can look at the motor vehicle registration records. So there's footprints. Yeah, there's footprints everywhere. There'll be footprint from the finance company because the, they may not know the serial number when you pay deposit for a vehicle. Yep. So there's the PPSR, which, which records all charges. PPSR? That, what yes, does that stand for? that's the Personal Private Securities Register. And what that is is every asset with a serial number is logged onto a private, on, on a public domain and you can ascertain if there's any debt against a particular asset. So if, if I was selling you my private vehicle, mm. and you, the first question you'll say to me is, does it have any finance on that vehicle? Yep. yep. So now there's a public register where you can check, ah. and the date that that's lodged is another footprint to determine when you've when – because the, the finance company will also lodge on the PPSR website as well. So that leaves another footprint in terms of when 
it's indication of when you've received right. the goods. Has that PPSR always been around or is this a relatively new thing? Around four or five years, yeah. It started right. out in New Zealand yep. and it came over to here in, in Australia. And anyone yep. can access that? Yep. Wow. Yep. I had no idea. Yep. That's very handy. It is. Yeah, especially yep. if you're buying secondhand machinery or goods or anything. Privately. Yes, yes. Because yes. quite often when deciding whether to buy a new car or a boat or what, a tractor, spray cart, whatever, um, often you'll go, mm, we'll just go through a dealer, it's much safer, much easier. But if you can get a cheaper deal privately and look it up, wow, very handy. Yeah, so that's a bit of a tip to ensure. I've, I've had, unfortunately had some examples of clients that, that didn't um, go through that process and had to pay out the paid, paid the um, purchase uh, the purchase of the um, the vehicle, then had to pay the finance as well. Oh no! Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's um, that's unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Now you've got um, actually. Here's another. Here's another question for you. If you get a rather large tax bill uh, for your bass or individual tax or whatever it might be, and you don't have the planning or the cash flow to pay it right then and there because, you know, you've got other overheads and, and whatever the case may be, what are your options as far as the ATO goes? Well, at the moment, because of COVID, they are accommodating for the delayed and deferred payments. Oh. So what the ATO have, have been very accommodating in terms of providing interest-free um, deferred payment terms. Yep. Which is very, very convenient. Till the yeah. 30th, 30th of September, we've been able to negotiate for a lot of clients with debt. Yep. If that's BAS debt or also income tax debt from, from last year. Yeah, right. So that's available. And um, in, in terms of, it's, a, it's an interest-free platform, but also they've extended some deadlines on payments as well. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, so they have shown some empathy towards mm. taxpayers during this process. Great. It's about time the ATO showed some empathy, I would suggest. Yes, and um, <laughs> it took COVID to do it. Yeah, well, let's hope they maintain that empathetic stance. Absolutely. Now, you've got some um, some top five tips for us. I have. I've got my top five today. I thought I'd, I'd roll that out. haven't rolled it out in a while. Awesome. So. So let's roll with that. And number five, which we've spoken about already, is the instant asset write-off. Identify the opportunity, know where you're at, and don't be led to believe that it's a dollar-for-dollar benefit. It's a benefit only to the extent of which you are Mm. taxpayable. So the first thing you need to check is, are you actually taxable this year before you go out and buy an asset? Mm. That's a very good point, isn't it? Yep. And you need a good advisor to advise you on whether you are taxable or not this year. Yeah, you need to be um, on the ball with your, with your books and know where you're at. Yeah, you yeah. really do, don't yeah, you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's number five. Number four is one that often gets overlooked is that a lot of um, employers can pay an employee gift to the value of $299 and it's exempt from fringe benefits tax. So in, in terms of providing a gift, and it could well be some, some employers provide gym memberships, some employers might go to... Um, leading edge, some may go to... You mean Robin Bay on the client's furniture zone? That's exactly what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. And and some may um, buy some Coles vouchers or Dan Murphy vouchers or whatever to to that value. So that's per employee per year. So that's a tax deduction to the business. It doesn't appear on the employee's payment summary and it's FBT exempt. So Mm. the... Yeah, so that's a nice little way to pay end of financial year bonuses or yearly bonuses... Just as a thank you, perhaps. That's right. Yeah, yep. love it. Because yep. employees appreciate being appreciated. It is. Don't they? They do. Mm. They always do. That's a handy tip. So mm. up to $299. Yes, not a dollar more. Not $299.95? So AirPods are out of the question. <laughs> Actually, if it's the limit is $300. So if it's, cent un, if it's a cent under $300... Aha, there you go. You're in. Wow, I found a loophole with the tax man. You, you, you just ask the next <laughs> question, don't you, Jade? <laughs> well, yeah, I have to ask these things. This is how my mind works. I think that makes me sound a bit dodgy. But anyway, number three. Number three is salary packaging um, handheld tools and personal tools or electronic items. Now, you may ask, well, why would I salary package it? I could claim it off my tax anyway. Mm. But employees cannot claim the GST component. So just, just think this through. It's a... It's an $880 iPad mm. and you salary package it, mm. your employer gets the $80 back. So it's only $800 that gets deducted from your gross, not your $880. Right. So you get that 10% benefit because the employer can actually claim the GST. As an employer, we're not registered for GST, so we're un- un- mm. not entitled to claim it. Yeah, right. 
Interesting. These are all very interesting. Number two. Number two is, now this one's very common, It's and this is more finance related. I speak to a lot of clients and they don't often regularly review their interest rates that they pay, whether on home loans, investment loans or anything like that. Mm. As Australians, we, we probably tend to be a little bit complacent in terms of that and we've got the big four banks that theoretically look up they do look after us to a point but the big four banks don't ring us up and say well look um, we have a 2.59 percent interest rate special available for three Mm. years we have to find that information actually you know what contrary to that I, I don't often go into banks anymore yep. because, you know, internet. Yep. But last time I did go into Combank here in Robinvale, yep. they looked at the screen and went, mm, we can do a much better deal on your home loan um, and a much better interest rate. And it literally took me half an hour of going into the office, redoing some paperwork and bang, much better deal, much better home loan product. It's really refreshing to hear that. Yeah. I've not heard a story like no. that. No. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it would only happen in a small community, Noel, where people know everybody. And only, and only happened to you. But. Well, rubbish. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that don't but, often happen. But, yeah. So that's that's really good. And um, I just often find clients are paying 1% more than what they should. And on mm. a $200,000 or $300,000 home loan, that's, that's $3,000 a year. That's $60 a week yeah. that I, you're missing out just because you haven't reviewed it and, yeah. and, and, and just asked the bank, can you do a little bit better? Yeah. And that's it is significant, particularly yeah. if it's an investment property and you're looking at um, – well, we can't put rentals up this year, can we, f- because of COVID? That's right. So if if you need to save some money on your on your mortgage or whatever it is to help your tenants out, it's well worth it. It is. Mm. Absolutely. Excellent. Good tip. So what's number – that was a really good one. What's number one? Oh, well, number one is, is where we need the drum roll, so we just uh, need to fill that in. I haven't in. got a drum roll. I've got – Yeah, well, that helps. <laughs> And I keep, I keep saying this, and I'll keep saying this until I'm blue in the face, is that we need to get financially organised. And if you're not financially organised, you can't make good decisions about your financial position. Mm. And often deductions are missed because people are disorganised. And in providing the accountant with information in a timely manner, don't wait till the deadline, say, oh, I've got till the 15th of May, I'll give it to him on the 13th of May and things like that. Get ahead of the curb and, and get yourself organised mm. and... I feel I feel like you're talking directly at me. Oh, it just it just comes out naturally when I'm looking at you. <laughs> I was going to say I feel like I'm being spoken to by the school principal. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that I am almost there. Great to hear. Yeah, it does mean that I've Great got a rather hear. large bill, but that's fine. Yep. It's fine because apparently the ATO are being empathetic, so great. Uh, oh, here's another question, and yep. this is just a curveball I'll throw at you yep. with, and you may or may not be able to answer it, but with things like setting up trademarks or copyrights or things like that, is there – you'd be led to believe that copywriting in Australia, you don't really need to do anything. There's no fees or anything to be paid. Do you know anything about that? I'm familiar with registering patents on on logos and, and business names in terms of I coordinate that through through legal people. Yeah, do you really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Is so that like important. the trademarking – That's exactly what it is, yeah. Right. Trademarks and – is, is it expensive to trademark logos and things? Uh, rule of thumb, uh, between the solicitor's fees and the application's fees, anywhere between $3,000 to $5,000 wow. for a trademark. Yeah. But if you, have, if you have a distinctive and identifiable logo that, that has presence in the market, even in an international market, it's mm. a very, very, very cheap investment. Yeah, right. Very interesting because some of the stuff that I was reading on Google – had me believe that as long as you own a domain, that's good enough to copyright something. It yep. doesn't trademark it, but it's good enough to copyright something. So I thought, and what, just with the 42K th- stuff, I thought, is it worth trademarking it? Is it worth copywriting it? But, you know, the domain's owned and stuff, So and it's a charity, so we don't want to go spending $5,000 on legal fees to trademark something that's for a good cause. Yeah, but we may need to get some... Initial in information and mm. make a call, but yeah, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, it's a very, I guess it's a very murky market, that whole trademarking and copywriting thing, isn't it? I think so. Oh dear. Got any other tips for us? Oh, I've got a few tips, yeah, I've got, what else have I got here? So a lot of things that get missed is that in Robinvale, even Swan Hill, we're regarded as a remote area. Mm. Remote areas and primary production, there's actually some concessions there for when employers do want to pay employees certain bonuses and things and and some of that may include 
Um, meals provided to primary production employees are exempt from FBT. So uh-huh. there's some concessions there. And it's actually quite, um, this might seem a bit crazy, but we're deemed a remote area and it's based on a census map of 1981. So we're working on what? data 39 years ago, which the tax legislation determines what's, what is a remote area and what isn't. I would determine this is a remote area anyway, particularly as far as the state government goes, wouldn't you? Well, it feels like it, but mm. I, won't, I won't get political <laughs> in this. Um, and there's, there's all other, other concessions, like if you have an employee that needs to relocate, yep. um, you can pay for all the fees, the employer can pay for all the fees and there's no tax, that's FBT exempt as well, and oh. it's a big help for an employee. So it's just exploring, um, if you do want to pay your, uh, any bonuses or, or anything extra to your employees, just explore what is exempt from a fringe benefits tax perspective, and it's all available on, on the ATA website. Mm. We have some material on our website as, as well at Southern Cross. So um, we have some experts um, in the office as well that can answer some questions in relating to that. So, and we're fortunate, and I probably haven't said before, but we're fortunate to have a really talented team at, at Southern Cross mm. that to have their areas of, of knowledge is, is, is really strong. I was going to say yeah. it would be just easier to contact you guys at Southern Cross to get the information firsthand rather than read through pages and pages of stuff on the ATO website, which is not exactly user-friendly, it is can, it? It can get technical very quickly. Yeah. They start using terms and you just think, hang on, this is in a different language and mm-hmm. it's difficult to understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly, unless you're a CPA or – what are what letters have you got after your name? Um, so I'm a, I'm a fellow CPA, yep. so – I studied my CPA, then after 15 years of public service, they've honoured me with a, with a fellowship. So oh, congratulations. I was, I was very happy with that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, time goes quick. I've been 25 years in the industry. and Have yeah, you really? Yeah, time goes really Surely quick. you're not old enough to have been 25 years in the industry. I started when I was eight. But, <laughs> but, uh, wow, so your experience then. Because there is a lot of, I know as far as the financial planning market goes in the past there's been a lot of dodgy operators operating without you know real qualifications or even qualifications that were had weren't up to scratch and all that kind of stuff that's kind of been weeded out of the market now hasn't it it's been heavily regulated so in those those industries you know, I spoke to some financial planners the other day and they're sitting exams mm. as an accountant um, I've, I've got a diploma in financial planning as well just so I can have conversations with clients around strategies around their super funds and self-managed super funds. Yeah, right. Because when the, the legislation was brought to account in July 17, that prevented accountants from speaking in the space they normally spoke in. Oh. So we had to go and, and get ourselves qualified and um, reluctantly I had to study another five subjects um, and, and anyone in the industry that provides advice in that space needed to. Yeah, right. To, to, to actually... Well, it's to, to be under the RG146 um, legislation to be able to advise in that space. So basically, just so we could keep doing what we were doing in the past, yep. we needed to get qualified as accountants. Wow. To be able to, yeah, in that financial planning space. And I've got to sit another exam before the end of December as well. Do you? Mm. Wow. So you're stop. more than qualified to... Uh to be giving advice on all sorts of financial and business business advice, primarily stuff. Yeah, and, and, I, and I need to satisfy myself that I have I am equipped to with the tools and the knowledge mm. to be able to to advise clients. And and not only that, like we have a, we have a team of around 35, 36 people at work, and to be their men, you know, mentor them mm. and assist and assist the team, our team there is um, it, it's rewarding. But you do need to keep abreast of all yeah. the. You need to know what you're was, talking about. Pretty much. <laughs> Well, no, you certainly do, and I enjoy our conversations because there's a lot less confusion after I've spoken to you. So if people need to contact you or they want some advice further, um, you're in Robinvale every week at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I'm coming down one one day a week at the moment by appointment, uh, Mm -hmm. but we have our office there um, in Mildura and... It's easy, we're easy to find. Yeah, easy to find on the internet, easy to find yes. on Facebook. There, there's a link with all the contact details on our website as well, so you can just go there and contact Southern Cross Business Advisors. Noel, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks, Jade. Next time you come in, can you please bring your brother or all of your brothers and some musical instruments? That would be great because we've got space for you here now. Yeah, well, Don and Paul would be easier. Anthony will have to zoom him in from Kyton. It's but fine, he, we can do that. He'll be up for the challenge. Great. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. You heard it here first. There's a Shadow Rock reunion on the cards. Let's do it. If you need a lay down after that episode of The Veil, find a new couch, mattress or bed at Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone.
Thanks for listening to the Vale podcast. If you'd like to help us out, you can simply give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or perhaps your company would like to financially support us. There are now a couple of ways for you to do this. You can buy some advertising sponsorship from as little as $100 per month, or you can now make fully tax-deductible donations via Functional Arts. Head to the website to find out more, thevalepodcast.com.au.